Hi friends, I'm Anna Lehman Knox and I'm the community pastor for this online campus of Camp Hill United Methodist Church called The Hill. And this week I get to welcome to our conversation Kate Hoekstra, who is the Director of Student Ministries at Camp Hill United Methodist Church. And I get to work with her on a daily basis, which is a delight. Uh, but Kate has worked for the last 11 years with middle, high school, and college students. And her degree is in Christian Ministries with a concentration in youth from Messiah University. So we're excited for Kate's insights today on the psalm that we're exploring this month. Uh, but first, she's going to share with us the scripture, the key scripture from the New International Version of the Bible. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your, sin, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. If you're lost and you're lonely, go and figure out why. Take a trip to your dark side, go on and have a good cry. Cause we're all lonely, cause we're all lonely together. I want to see your sadness, want to share your sin, want to bleed your blood and want to be let in. Don't don't we all just want to be together? Take a look around Do your fingers move? Do your lungs inflate? Are you tired? Are you weary of the hidden hate you've been holding? Hey Did you lose that love or have you never had? Are you feeling sad cause you did a bad thing?
feeling fearful, brother? Are you feeling fearful, sister? And the way you lose that fearful feeling, replace it with love that's healing. Are you feeling fearful, brother? Are you feeling fearful, sister? Welcome, Kate. Um, so people listening to this episode may or may not have any idea what a director of student ministries actually does. So could you just kick us off by sharing a little bit about your work? I can. Um, I've always told people that student ministry is probably one of the weirdest jobs in a church because one day I'm getting paid to play like extreme musical chairs and to throw <laughs> battle ball at, battle balls at teenagers. Although any kid who's ever walked through these doors can tell you, I don't really hit anybody because it's just not in my skill set, <laughs> quite honestly. And other days, um, you know, my job takes a complete 180 and it's my job to walk with students through some of the first difficult times in their life. Um, and that difficult time might be everything from um, figuring out how to live, live with um, a divorced family or, you know, like the loss of a loved one. We've had students who have lost mm -hmm. parents and, and friends and, um, and maybe it's anxiety, depression, any number of things. Um, and of course, in between all of those two extremes um, is like our events we do and different lesson plannings and faith and spiritual uh, formation. And of course, lots of texting and social media. <laughs> in between. Of course, there has to be texting and social media. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> now, the psalm that we're exploring this month, it's Psalm 51, and it might be starting to become familiar to um, those who are listening since this is the third episode. Um, but I think it's a really important psalm for us in a culture that's grappling, and you just mentioned it, with pretty severe depression, with all kinds of other layers of guilt and fear attached to it. And we particularly know that the pandemic that we're experiencing has amplified depression in teenagers specifically. Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious to hear how you think this psalm might be useful in people's lives right now and how you maybe have seen it working in relationships that you have, obviously, without breaking any confidences. <laughs> um, so, you know, I've always thought that the psalms are just a really, truly amazing part of the Bible. Um, I often remind our students that in the difficult times of life, God is not afraid of what we're thinking mm. and what we're feeling in our, our deepest of hearts. You know, the Psalms are a perfect example of this. Many of the Psalm writers are just crying out with the depths 
of their soul, the depths of their anguish, you know, whatever they're going through, like they're laying it out there before God. They're not trying to make it a show or they're not trying to disguise what's, what's going on, you know, and we exist in a place right now with social media where everything is supposed to be perfect. You know, you see the perfect vacations and the perfect holidays and the super fun family events, but we all know, like, we know what happens behind there. Like we can't, it's not what we post on social media. Um, and I find that teenagers and really just people of all ages mm. are desperate to find the things that are real. Yeah. You know, they they want to know, we, we want to know that we aren't alone in our struggles in those places where we feel like we're just silently like just fighting, trying to figure out where we are and what's going on, you know. And while I'm not saying we need to put everything on blast in our digital world. <laughs> um, there are spaces and places that we can use to let down those walls, um, to be open to what we're feeling in our hearts and our minds. Um, and I find that one of the first and most reliable places to do this is a pen and a paper mm. or, you know, maybe a word document. <laughs> um, in the same way David poured out his heart through writing, we can do the same. Hmm. That's a lovely thought. Um, and maybe an invitation to people who are listening to this that we don't simply have to consume psalms. We also can create them. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, what might those psalms from our hearts written today sound like um, to us and to God? Thanks for that, that opening. We have sort of a long-standing tradition in our church of starting prayers, writing our own prayers, if you will, by starting with saying, Hey God, <laughs> which I have come to love. Um, it feels so much more like having a regular conversation rather than feeling like you have to have the perfectly honed poetic words. And I think that's some of what the Psalms are trying to help us with too, Psalms like this one, um, to give us honest words when we have trouble coming up with ones that we feel are adequate. So I'm wondering, uh, how have you seen phrases like, hey, God, <laughs> <laughs> helping people to become more open with God and hopefully themselves too? Yeah. Since starting here about five years ago, I've started to incorporate that, hey, God, into my own, like, anywhere I might be praying. Mm -hmm. And I love, even even here sometimes, it's still met with a little bit of a snicker <laughs> or some really strange looks, you know, post-prayer. People are do, trying to figure out, what? <laughs> um, you know, it's definitely not a traditional start to a prayer, but it feels more genuine. Mm -hmm. You know, prayer kind of has this crazy stigma that you have to be perfect you know, it's kind of intimidating. And I know when I ask the question in youth ministry, who would like to close us in prayer? Mm -hmm. It's usually met with a lot of blank stares or maybe a lot of like carpet or maybe ceiling inspection. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And I know that you as a pastor have yes. run into this even yes. in adult groups. It's Absolutely. <laughs> even in groups of people who have been studying the scripture and been people of faith for 50, 60 70 years. Yes, we still get crickets. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that using simple phrases like, hey, God, makes God feel more approachable. Mm. You know, I, I feel like, and I know I need to have 
things written down in my head. Like I don't consider myself an eloquent person. And as I am able to bring prayer down to that, hey God, like I don't feel like I have to be eloquent. I don't feel like I have to have the perfect, most appropriate, amazing words that are just going to shock and awe. Like, <laughs> like God doesn't need all of that. You know, and the Psalms are the same way. David and the other Psalm writers weren't trying to impress God. They were just sharing their hearts. Um, and we often use writing in student ministry to, uh, to really get out our thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just something special about it. We've used it in different like weekly settings and we use it a lot after big events or like during big events, mm-hmm. um, especially during Philly Blitz that we usually go in, de- in December. Um, we'll take just a, a, an hour or so, half hour, and students are welcome to write down what they've been learning, where they're at uh, currently in their life and things that they're hearing from God. And then usually like they'll fold them up. I hold on to them for a year, close to a year. Um, I don't read them unless they invite me to do so. I just tuck them in a box and I pull them out a year later. Typically I try to, uh, my, the goal was to get them in the mail before we leave for the next Philly Blitz. Um, and I love like hearing the students after, you know, reflecting on that um, when they come back and it's a year later and to see, you know, what they wrote. I think there's a freedom in writing things down and giving them to someone. Like it's one thing to journal, but it's another thing to like write it and hand it off. Like even if that person never reads them, I find students are, they're more open. They're more willing to be honest in what they're feeling and what they're experiencing and what they're really struggling with. You know, and and in the same way that just a simple pen and paper opens up all those possibilities, I I think simple little phrases like, hey, God, does the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree with you in my own life and experience for sure. And you mentioned Philly Blitz, and that's a particular event kind of in our context uh, where students go and experience uh, working with different nonprofit organizations in Philadelphia, right? Mm -hmm. But um, but I think that kind of uh, writing and reflecting exercise um, can be a gift no matter what experience we're having or going through. As if we know that it is something that's transformative, either in a way that we expect to be positive or negative, um, I agree. I, I love that invitation to, to just kind of cover it with, um, with honest writing, um, not expecting that God is going to judge, you know, our editing capabilities, but just receive what we have, have to, to offer. And that kind of leads me to this next question about the character of God. And in this particular translation of Psalm 51, which is, I think, the translation you typically read as the New International Version, it, when it refers to God's love, it says specifically that God's love is unfailing. And there's, there are other translations of this text that use words like faithful, which mm-hmm. is also appropriate, I feel. Um, but there's something powerful, I think, in the context, maybe particularly of student ministry um, and of, of just being youthful. Um, in our culture, there's so many fears of failure and disappointment. And as you say, trying to live up to just impossible expectations that lurk in social media, right? Um, 
that I'm curious as to how that reference of God's love being unfailing strikes you. Hmm. Well, the word unfailing to begin with is just (laughs) in a, in a time when it feels like everything is failing or there's just something wrong, like all the time. (laughs) Um, It's, it's just like, there's just, when I was thinking through this question earlier, I was struck by just like this little whisper of hope mm-hmm. I felt, you know, um, again, we're just inundated with all of these different things going on in the world. And, you know, whether it's um, a loved one's failure to do or not do something, or it's a societal failure or something, even ourselves that we failed to do or not do, like failure is everywhere around us. And to know, like, in our hearts of hearts, that God doesn't fail mm. ever. And when I was thinking about this word, uh, like I was just blown away. Like it just made me want to just like drop to my knees and just weep. Like I was mm-hmm. so like taken by this idea of being unfailing. Um, you know, we are just again in this space where it feels like failure surrounds us. And I know we're out of the Christmas season, but one of my favorite Christmas lines, verses of all time comes from O Holy Night when it says, a thrill of hope, Mm. a weary world rejoices. Mm. That has always struck me. And that's kind of the feeling I hear when I I think unfailing. It's just that little bit of hope in the midst of a lot of mess. Mm. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I'm also struck by this idea, this image of naming God that desires faithfulness even in the womb, you know, like, so there's this like huge, big image of hope. And then there's this tiny little secret place of the womb that, that God, this idea that God teaches wisdom in that secret young space, um, it makes me feel in this psalm as though there's never a time when we're too young or too old um, to learn anything um, or to change or to be valued by our Creator. And that youth, in essence, is not a disadvantage uh, or something to be looked down upon, but it is instead an awe-inspiring season in which to gain <laughs> wisdom. And so how have you seen wisdom being cultivated in young people's lives? And what do you think prayer has to do with that? So, you know, like most human beings, young people gain wisdom from life experiences, one of the ways. Um, we are always encouraging our students to ask questions. Um, you know, we, we believe firmly that a, a faith that's never questioned is it, is it really a faith mm. or is it just something that you're kind of holding on to? Um, and we encourage them, like, if you don't understand something about God or the Bible, just ask. And I think wisdom in a young person also starts when they learn who and who not to listen to. Mm. Um, you know, in, in youth ministry, we, we don't have volunteer youth leaders just to fulfill safe sanctuary requirements. Um, we have a team of youth leaders who are there to help widen the circle. Mm. Uh, Reggie Joyner, who's the founder and CEO of, of Orange, um, has written many books and he does amazing work 
um, on church and their children and youth ministries. And he talks a lot about what it means to widen the circle and that as students get older, they, they, they maybe stop listening to their parents. Shocker, <laughs> I know, for all of us. Um, there comes a point in a kid's life where they need to have more people pouring into them. They need to be hearing wisdom from other people. And it was such a, a funny thing as I was thinking about this. You know, I know every parent has experienced this because I've had parents come to me as a youth leader and say, thank you for saying fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Like I've been telling them that for so long and it wasn't until you said it that they heard it. Mm-hmm. And I knew I crossed into parenthood with my stepboys when <laughs> just not too long ago, um, one of them came home from school and was telling me about like, oh, my teacher was said something that I had been telling them for quite some time. And I was like, <laughs> I've, ugh, like, I was trying to tell you that. And he's like, well, I know, but and it's funny how there are those circles of influences that start with that primary adult in a kid's life. But like the wisdom starts mm-hmm. to flow in more when we widen that circle. Mm-hmm. And I encourage parents and that that primary adult, um, whoever you might be, to continue to to be very aware and to pray over the people who are in their students' lives. It's 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 so important. You know, we students have all the questions mm-hmm. and they have Google and all of the internet to mm-hmm. give them answers. And we know we know that that's not always the greatest and best ways to find the answers that we're, that we're looking for. You know, wisdom comes as we continue to teach our young people who and who not to listen to. Mm. I, I wouldn't want even my own step boys to listen to literally everything and follow everything I say because I know that I don't always get it right. Mm. Um, I think wisdom comes through those int- intentional circles in our young people's lives. Um, who are going to step up to help encourage and challenge and listen to them. And I think wisdom comes through time invested in scripture, mm-hmm. time invested in prayer and with Jesus. You know, this is why student ministries exist. We're not here just to throw battle balls at kids. <laughs> it, we're here to help widen that circle and to help pour wisdom and and understanding and encouragement and challenging and listening to each and every student who comes through our doors here at Camp Hill. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that idea of like learning how to discern the between voices and that scripture and prayer and community, you know, are all uh, ways that we we learn what God's voice sounds like, mm-hmm. what our own true voice sounds like, um, and how we we grow into who I hope and pray, you know, God is intending us to be. Yeah, that's lovely. Um, Kate, is there anything else in particular about this psalm that really speaks especially to you or to your work um, that we haven't touched on yet, but that you think might help this passage to come alive for people? Yeah, in, in verse 12, it starts off like this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I hold tight to that that picture of restoration, especially right now. Um, and that, that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother time. But just the idea that, that God does restore and he can bring back to life what feels broken and lost and whatever negative 
feeling might be there that God can can bring that back and he restores. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that is an incredibly important message for us in this season um, that we are not without hope. <laughs> we are, uh, we can believe in a God of restoration and of new beginnings. So Kate, thank you so much for being with us this week. Um, your honesty and humility are truly a gift to the world and to young people. And so if folks want to find out a little bit more about how to get in touch with you, what might be the best way for them to do that? I'm here pretty much all Sunday mornings for both services. Um, you're more than welcome to come find me then. Um, you can find me by my email or my phone number, both of which are found on our church website. Mm -hmm. And I am totally up for meeting for a little meal or coffee or whatever else you might be interested in doing. Awesome. awesome. She's really fun to hang out with. So friends, I do hope that you will uh, get to spend some time with Kate moving forward. Uh, I also invite you to come and meet me in person. I love hanging out at the Cornerstone Coffee House in Camp Hill. And so I invite you to check out the website, hillchurchonline.org, to see when I will next be there. Um, but until then, Kate, thank you for sharing today. Mm -hmm. And friends, in the name of the Creator, the Redeemer, and the Sustainer, may you go in peace. <laughs>